Our scripture reading today comes from Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the, of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Heidi. The 40 days of Lent commemorate Jesus when he suffered in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. Besides that event in the Bible, there are many stories about 40 days or 40 years uh, built around that time span. And um, because Lent is 40 days long, if you take out all the Sundays, Lent is 40 days, uh, we're going to be reflecting on that theme during our Lent this year, during each Sunday of Lent. And it's the title of this theme is 40 Days of Becoming. But before we begin, let's go to God in prayer. Most gracious and glorious God, we praise you. We praise your holy name. And we give thanks to you for this day. We give thanks to you for your provision for us, for our families, for this church. And Lord, we thank you also for this warmer weather. It is so, so exciting to see the wonderful transformation of your creation when it springs to life every day spring. Heavenly Father, we ask now for your guiding light in today's message. Pour out your spirit onto this church at this moment, to these people, and to me, as we explore the scripture regarding Noah and his family aboard the ark during the 40 days and 40 nights of rain. And it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I want to start start out by telling you that Genesis is one of my favorite books of the Bible. In fact, I would say it's right at the top of the list with maybe Romans in the New Testament. I have lots of favorites, but these two are probably my top two. And the reason that I like Genesis so much is because of the backdrop it sets for what's to come in the Bible. Um, it is an accurate historical record of the ancient past. And you don't have to take my word for it. As archaeologists have discovered, when they do digging in the Eastern Asia, uh, they have discovered 
evidence that supports everything that's written in the Bible that's been reported by Moses in Genesis. Like the ruins 55 miles south of Baghdad that show the foundation of a great tower. Or in 1970, the Elba archive that was discovered in northern Syria that uh, has listings of the patriarchs' accounts of places that they actually lived. These documents, dated around 2300 B.C., mention Canaan and the customs that were, they were experiencing living at that time, those that were described by Moses in the Old Testament. Clay tablets gave much of the same information in the time period, and they're consistent with the patriarchs mentioned in Genesis. But guess what? You're not all here because of what an archaeologist is claiming or a scientist is claiming. All this evidence that's building up, supporting, you're here because of your faith. Amen? Or maybe because your wife told you that you had to show up. Hopefully it's your faith. In Genesis, prior to God's judgment, there was continual evil going on in the world. That began in the Garden of Eden at the fall of humanity. Now, I've said this before, and it bears repeating. Our default key from that fall of humankind began in the, in the Garden of Eden. And this default setting is set on sin. We can't get away from it. It is set on sin. Our only choice, apart from God's grace, is to choose evil. But it is because of God's grace, we, can, we have what you guys call free will, the choice to do well. John Wesley, who was the founder of our church, said, I know nothing of free will, but I do know of an element of liberty restored by grace, which is the grace that allows us to choose freely to do good. And apparently in Noah's time, not much of that was going around. Evil was an epidemic proportion. In our scripture today, God has decided to start again, to push the reset button. And according to Genesis, God saw the world as corrupt and filled with violence. So God selected Noah. God chose Noah and his family because he considered Noah to be righteous. And he wanted to rebuild from Noah's bloodline. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. Israel was selected to be God's own chosen people, just like Noah was selected to be God's chosen people, and therefore blessed and protected. And then to use Israel, just like you we, he did Noah to be an in instrument, an example for those to come to follow for the entire world. And that would eventually lead to guess who? Jesus Christ, the revelation of God in the world. So God spoke to Noah, and we know the story, right? He spoke to Noah. He was to build an ark. Now, prior to worship, I was in here. I didn't bring a tape measure. I wanted to see the dimensions of the ark and based on the sanctuary in our church. Uh, and I paced it off. I used, you know, when you golf, you know that your pace, how far that is when you're walking off to find out how far you are, your distance from the green. Um, and I paced this off 
we're um, 50, 45 feet wide and about almost 150 feet long. Well, or no, almost 100 feet long. And um, so the, the arc, the dimensions of it was 75 feet wide, 450 feet long, and 45 feet high, which would have been twice the width, twice the height, and would have been about five times the length of this church, of this sanctuary. So you can see the immense proportions of this undertaking that Noah was going to do. There were three levels inside this ark, and it was divided into rooms with enough food for both the animals and for Noah and his family to survive that 40 days and 40 nights of rain until all the earth was covered in water. Now it says in verse 20 that the rain kept coming until there was 15 cubits over the highest mountain in the world. Now 15 cubits is 22 and a half feet. So can you imagine that? 22 and a half feet over top the highest mountain. But because of God's instructions, no one and his family were snug as a bug in a rug in the inside above all of this. And they had a roof over the ark that kept them from getting taken on water. And God provided for Noah's little family, alive and well in the ark, while the storm raged outside. Now perhaps you've heard the saying, into each rain, in, into each life some rain must fall. You've heard that, right? And well, what if you're experiencing 40 days and 40 nights of continual thunderstorms. That would be pretty brutal. But guess what? This happens. Have you ever noticed it? That trials seem to come in bunches in your life? Karen, you can witness to that, can't you? But you have, it seems like it's one thing after another after another in your life, and it all comes at once. Now, we know of sprinkles, but we also know of those, those storms like that, don't we? And, and a storm that was so long and so strong in Noah's time that it wiped out everything, everything around. And Noah and his family were helpless in this storm. They were relying on God, weren't they? They were in this ark, and if it wasn't for the ark, they'd be right along with everyone else. And he had no, tr he had no choice but to trust God. He had no other alternative to, than to trust God for his very survival. And this story serves as an example and an inspiration for all of us. I was once in a Bible study um, at another church before I became a pastor. And this has been, oh my God, 20 years ago maybe? I don't know, it was a long time ago. And, um, and I remember we were having this thing about suffering and trials and everything. And this one man stood up, his name is Larry, and he said <clears throat> profoundly that just like it's written in the Bible, he says, God helps those who help themselves. Wow. Well, <laughs> I was sitting next to a man who I'm, I know personally even to this day, and uh, he was an alcoholic. Well, he is an alcoholic. Uh, he's a reformed alcoholic, but um, 
he has attended a lot of AA classes, and he took great offense to this. And he stood up, and he rebuked the man. And he said, no, that is not right. God does not help those who help themselves. God helps those that can't help themselves. God helps the hopeless. That is the truth. God helps the hopeless. And if you go to any AA class, they will tell you that. You will have to live that to be involved in them, with them. And um, it's not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. It, just wash that out of your mind. God does not help those who help themselves. So anyway, God, God's grace. Yeah, I see this played out over and over again uh, in this story. God's grace. I see the ark as an example of God's grace. It protected Noah and his family. The ark didn't prevent the storm from happening. It's, it's continued to storm, but Noah and his family were kept safe from that storm. And of God's judgment on humanity, the rest of the world, inside that ark they were safe. Have you ever thought of the context in your own life? We're saved from God's judgment too, sisters and brothers. We're saved by through Christ. That is our ark, is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is through faith in Jesus that we live our lives. So often our lives rely on our faith only when we hit hard times. When we hit hard times, then we have our faith. But Noah, when he built this ark, he wasn't having hard times. He was, he was loving it. He was in the bowling league. You know, you know, they had a card club that they went to every week. Um, they had a lot of things going for him, you know. His youngest son was graduating from high school, and, and uh, you know, they, had, they, they were going to finally get all their kids out of, house, out of the house, and they'd have the whole uh, retirement for him and everything. He didn't have to do any of this. And God come to him and said, hey, listen, I need you to build an ark. I want you to build it like three football fields long. I want you to build it really high. I want to do it. And Noah could have said, no, wait a minute. I can't do this. This is disrupting what I've got planned. I've got my 401k. I can't be doing this. But he obeyed God through faith. He obeyed God despite the fact that his neighbors ridiculed him, despite the fact that this probably, the zoning ordinances probably wouldn't allow this ark. He did all these things because he had faith in the Lord. He obeyed the Lord and obeyed what the Lord said. And when the storms finally came, Noah was prepared. So how do we prepare for storms in our life like Noah did? How do we go about it? I have a list for you. It's another list, but this is only five things. You can write these down or commit them to memory. I don't care which. But these are five tools that you can use. Number one, you can stand on God's promises when storms come. What's that mean? You can go to your Bible. You all have to have a Bible, and you all should be reading it every day. Read your Bible. Commit verses to memory, ones that really feel 
special to you, really strike you, right? Commit them to memory. Remember those verses. Get in a Bible study. Every day you should get up. Sometime in, in that day you should read Scripture. It, what, put it on your computer. There's lots of apps you can get. You can apply it to your computer. I know, Amy, you do that every day. You have Scriptures that you can go to every day. Eventually you can learn the whole Bible. You can go through the whole Bible by doing that. Number two, pray without ceasing. You should be praying every day, sisters and brothers. Pray in the morning when you get up. Before you get up, pray. Continually through the day, be praying. Be thinking about people you can pray for. People in our church. People you know outside our church. Your children. Your grandchildren. Pray. Lift up God. Let Him know. And when you're in church on Sunday, that's an opportunity to have corporate prayer. If you're in a Bible study, make sure you open up with prayer. Prayer is essential. Essential to make it through life. If you do not pray, oh my gosh, you need to change. You need to start with prayer. Number three, praise God even in the midst of your storms. That's hard to do, I know. When you're going through something, that's probably the hardest thing to do is to praise God and show and say, God, I give you all the glory. That is so tough to do. But remember what Paul did. Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. And he was in prison, and he still continued to give God the glory and to praise God. That's hard to do, but that's something, sisters and brothers, we're called to do. Praise God, even in the midst of your storms. Number four, keep showing up. Keep showing up. Don't take days off being a Christian. Don't say, okay, I'll be a Christian on Sunday when I come to church, but the rest of the week I'm going to do whatever I want. Don't do that. You've got to be a Christian every day. Show up. Show up every day. Show people around you that you're a Christian, that you stand for things, okay? You stand for things. You show them what's, what, what is right. Show them the truth. If you do that, if you're faithful in those small ways like that, God is going to open up doors for you, and something incredible will happen. Number five. Believe in miracles. Miracles happen each and every day. Now, you have to be faithful because sometimes miracles don't happen. But there's something else God's trying to teach you in those, those times. But there are lots of days that miracles do happen. And be open to them because you will see them. You ask God for, you ask God for vision to see miracles. Maybe... You're sensitive to that. Maybe you're not. But if you ask God to open up your eyes so you can see the miracles that happen. Miracles happen every day. Open that door for God to work. God will see you through in any miracle. And I like this quote. I've, I've probably said this a million times here in church. But commit this one to memory. Romans 8.28. And we know that God work, through all things, God works for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Remember that. God loves us. And he will open up doors for us. And one of the things I was told in preaching class during seminary is each Sunday to keep it to one or two themes. No more than that. That's keep it simple. 
two, one or two themes. You know, there's lots of ag av avenues and angles I can go in each of these stories each week, but if you keep it to one or two, then people will have, when they leave here, they'll have something in mind. And I've already talked to you about your faith through storms. I've talked to you a little bit about that. The other theme I want to do, is that is, I touched on it just a little bit earlier, but not too much. It's about God's grace that floods our lives. You saw uh, with Marcy and the umbrella, and, and, and that is a way of showing, signifying how God's grace is that umbrella. It protects us in storms. Um, you know, life has its ups and downs. But those that trust in God's providence for them, the ups and downs are really not that bad, are they? They're really not that bad. Those roller coaster events in our lives, they're not that bad anymore. They're kind of like, they're smoothed out, aren't they? They're flattened maybe a little bit. Maybe they're straightened a little bit. When we have God at the center of our lives. Now I'm not saying that if you have more faith, that you're not going to get cancer. I'm not saying that if you have more faith, you won't lose your job. Those things are going to happen, okay? That's part of the world we live in. There's nothing I can do about that, nothing God can do about that. But what he can do is he gives you a safe landing. He gives you a cushion for those blows. Now, what God does for us and what he did for Noah was to protect them in the ark. It's like, it, you know, it's kind of like a cocoon. Uh, it's a cocoon that we, we go in. And when we come out, we're transformed. When they emerge from the flood onto dry land, you, do you remember this? When they emerged from flood onto dry land, it was kind of a rebirth of humanity. It was a, it was a renewal of everything that had been wrong. And that's similar to something else, isn't it? It's similar to baptism. It was like they emerged out of the water and they were a new person. That's exactly what happened symbolically to us when we are placed in the water. When we come out, we're a new people. That's a baptism of sort. And we become dead to sin. And we're new people. And we're surrounded all the time by God's grace. Sisters and brothers, God wants to save you from drowning from whatever you're dealing with in your life. God wants to help you through those storms to come to His light. Get in His ark while you still can. Let Him guide you through the storm to a better place where you can let your own light begin to shine and where you can find peace and live a joy-filled life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That saved a wretch like me Dying once was a lost But now I'm found Was the light But now I see so clearly
Sisters and brothers, let us not forget that God still sees what we give. He knows how much and from what motivates men and women. He looks at the heart and what the views are in our giving, our offering. And now, because we, not because we have to, but because we're grateful, let us return to God what is his in the first place. Will the ushers please come forward?
you pray with me? Almighty God, you have placed in the skies the sign of your covenant with all living things. Grant that we who are saved through water and the Spirit may worthily offer to you our sacrifice of thanksgiving. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As you know, we take two names each Sunday. I did this, usually I do this before worship, but I didn't get to it. So I'm going to draw two names out of here. And these are people that we're going to pray for in our church this week. They will be in the, um, the newsletter or the e email that goes out tomorrow. So, uh, and then we'll be praying for these people each week. So you can write these down. The two people is Paul Newman and Margaret Glass. We'll keep uh, them in our thoughts uh, throughout this week. Now I have the prayer concerns. We have, uh, we have a thanks, a thank you to all who prayed for Clark Rose. That's